Back in episode 68, we started a new challenge. To play all of the Metroid games ever made in order, starting with Metroid on the NES. In this episode, we're back with the second game in the series, which was released in 1991 on the Game Boy, and that is Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Gelada. And I'm Saffron. And today we're continuing our Metroid Club. <laughs> um, yeah, it kind Metroid of is, Club. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we played, it was a while ago now, like what, 20 episodes ago? 30 yeah, episodes episode 68. Ago? A while ago, uh, we played the first Metroid game on the NES. And we're working our way through them uh, mm. very slowly. Uh, slowly and steadily uh and so this time it was the turn of metroid 2 return mm. of samus which was on the game boy uh and these, so- these are games that we never really played yeah. growing up like i think i probably started with prime properly yeah me too and then i sort of discovered the metroid universe as a result of prime you know like i played fusion and then later on i played super metroid and then etc yeah and i really only ever played prime i didn't really play any others i think i played a little bit of fusion Hmm. but yeah so we're sort of we've done the same thing as our game club episodes if you're familiar with those so we both played it separate we haven't talked about it yet and we're gonna come together and chat about it my favorite kind of episodes i like these ones yeah no i really enjoy doing game clubs because both is an opportunity to play games that we're not having chance Mm. to play otherwise or like we wouldn't give ourselves time to play if that makes sense Mm. whilst also having a good chat about something that oftentimes like we have similar opinions but there's definitely been game clubs where we've we've Mm. disagreed yeah so like that's always fun so i found the first metroid's was okay but there were some frustrations Mm. like i found a lot of the game the like level design very frustrating because there were lots of like repeated areas and lots of like trollish dead ends which just kind of annoyed me a little bit Mm. and you know the quality of life stuff like there's no map and things like that that Mm. just sort of like things that are, are struggling from an old game and i found metroid 2 had fewer of those Right? Yeah, like yeah. I, that was my overall kind of feeling about Metroid 2. I think one of the things that is really obvious is that the team that worked on a Metroid 2, which for clarity's sake is a Game Boy title yeah. rather than a NES or Super yeah, NES. Yeah, yeah. Like I think 1991, like the Super Nintendo was out, right? Like I'm pretty mm. sure it was. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a result of it, like games development had kind of skyrocketed in the years between those two games mm. because... Like, because original Metroid was was eighty six, yeah. and like Mario was similar sort of time period. Zelda was similar sort of time period. Like, and games development as a as a kind of an industrial process almost was still a little bit like Wild mm. Westy. Mm. It was, wasn't really fully understood how to develop a game properly yet, like in a very efficient manner yeah and especially home consoles as well as yes, opposed to as, arcade games right? yeah absolutely because the arcades were, were a bit simple because because you weren't looking to make a game that was going to last you know 
10, 15 hours in some instances. Mm. You know, you're looking to make a game that's going to last five minutes and make someone pay more money. Mm. Um, so it was a very different design philosophy. And you can tell that between the first game and this one that they'd learned a lot, right, on how to make games and how to make fun games too. Yeah, definitely. So it's set after the first game and the story is that, like, Samus is is on SR388, the mm-hmm. homeworld of the Metroids, to destroy them all, right? Yeah. To eradicate them. And it's interesting because despite the fact that this is a Game Boy game and the story is probably mostly in the manual um, and inferred from, like, mm-hmm. bits of the game, it is actually an important game mm-hmm. in the series, which I found really interesting um, because... Yeah, like, like without it, this game, you don't tie the other games together. yeah. Like, I found that really interesting. I didn't realize that until, like, I was, you know, much further through the game. And then Mm. I was sort of, like, reading some bits around the edges around it and, like, looking at stuff, you know, more more detail. Then I realized that that was the case because, like, spoiler alert, um, it's not particularly, you know, compelling, the story. But, uh, like, at the end, when Samus has eradicated all of the Metroids and killed the, like, big queen metroid there's like a little baby one and she escapes with the baby one and takes it away and so like the metroids kind of live on Um, what i really love about this story is that it's a game boy game in 1991 that dared to have a narrative yeah because i mean if you think most games back then that weren't like specifically rpgs like things like a final fantasy game or like a pokemon for example i know pokemon was a little bit later but still you know they didn't really have Game Boy games didn't have stories. Game Boy mm. games were something you just picked up, played for a bit and put back down and they didn't think anything about. Mm. But this had continuity. Like, mm. it very clearly followed on from the first game. And then Super Metroid very directly follows on from this as yes. well. Like, Super Metroid's opening credits, uh, sorry, title role is like the last Metroid is in captivity after Samus proceeded to kill them all and, like, take the baby Metroid. Like, it's not like just this game they made and then had to proceed to retcon in to the overall Mm. story continuity of the Mm. later games it fits very nicely now i'm sure it wasn't done on purpose in 1991 to fit in with say the prime law and the law of fusion and all the rest of it but the point is is the story of the game was constructed well enough and well thought out enough that it could fit into future games plot lines yeah yeah it wasn't just and go and kill the monsters you know yeah, even though it definitely feels like that, especially at the start. Um, like in this one, you have a uh, like a Metroid detector, basically, which gives mm. you a count of the number of Metroids that you've got left to kill. And it's actually the other thing that I found particularly interesting about sort of the gameplay and just the overall structure is that it's very linear. Uh, there's yes, like yeah. there's very little reason to backtrack. It's pretty much, I think, probably the most linear Metroid game, yeah. really. Like, you have just got to work your way through and essentially lava, like, not that you can tell it's lava, we'll come on to that, um, <laughs> like, disappears to reveal certain area, you know, areas that you couldn't get through before. Yeah. Um, so it's less about what you can do with your abilities, although that does play a little bit of a part, and more about just opening up areas. But yeah. nonetheless, like, again, for a Game Boy game, even, yeah, okay, fine, it's linear, but it's also big. Like there's a there's 
the map is quite large. Yeah, um, it's it's quite an expansive game. And hmm. I think the most impressive thing, and, and this kind of ties into some of the stuff that I want to talk about in regards to how the game looks as well, is that, and because you briefly touched on it too, is the way in which the game, which is so limited by its technology, right? Because the Game Boy is such a simple piece hmm. of kit. It uses, you mentioned the game manual, but it also uses the world design to tell a story. Hmm. Like each area has sort of a purpose to it mm. you know like the first area is just the caves of sr388 that you you enter to get to where you're going and there's lots of life everywhere and like you know regular just like little griblies and everything and then like the first area is like a chozo ruin temple type thing mm. and then and, and bearing in mind these are all things that you sort of have to use your imagination a little bit to see them as they're supposed to be yeah but you can tell that despite the graphical limitations you can still tell the what they're trying to convey right yeah like the idea that these like this was a chozo area because there's lots of chozo ruins around everywhere and then later on you go like into this sort of like water area like where there's like a big hydro pump station type of thing and as you go deeper down there's like less enemies because all the metroids have killed them all and and how all like the the regular rocks and regular uh like flowers and everything have gone to make way for this like really gribbly sort of like oozy nest look that the metroids have set up in this area Mm. yeah i found i think that i'm sort of trying to think back to metroid one and trying to imagine the the graphics there versus this what i found interesting was that despite the fact that it's a game boy game it's like zoomed in yes Um, it's like the difference between super mario land and six golden coins on the game yes that's a a really good example metroid one and metroid two so for me, I, for me, I didn't really get that on that world with the graphics. Um, right. I, f- I found that the lack of like backdrops where like behind you is just black. So there's no depth. Mm. And so, you know, obviously it's limited because it's on the Game Boy. But yeah, I found that sort of lacking. And obviously it suffers from a lack of color, which makes it difficult yeah. to tell, like, is this water or lava? Is this? How did you, you know, how did you play it? Uh, I played it on an emulator. Yeah. When, with the emulator, because I mean, so did I. Did you, like, try any of the different colour palettes you could do, things like the Super Game Boy and stuff? No, but I know that you there was, when yeah. you played it properly, you did, there was some palette um, tweaks. Even on the Game Boy Colour, it, would, it mm. would do some tweaks to, like, Samus's colour versus everything else and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because I think the, the, the base version is just the monochrome kind of green and black, isn't it? Yeah. But then, like, I, I played around with some of the settings on the emulator I was using and got, like, the Super Game Boy version, yeah. which was much nicer to look at. Even though there wasn't really a lot of extra colour, it just mm. it just added a little bit more atmosphere and a bit more personality yeah. to things. Yeah, I appreciate that it probably does, it probably would benefit from being played on actual hardware. I think that what I was impressed by was, like, Samus herself is really mm. well drawn and animated, yeah, given that very. it's a Game Boy game. Um, like, that was, I was I was particularly impressed by that. And, like, this is the first place where they have, the, like, more rounded um, suit, right? Um, yeah, this is, this is where Samus looks like what we, we know her to yeah. look like. Because I think in the first game, like, even in the promotional artwork, she had this very sort of generic spaceman look. Yeah. Whereas in this game they've got that distinctive look, the, the distinctive helmet and the distinctive shoulder pads yeah. and the gun arm you know it looks like what you think of as samus in her power armor now yeah yeah, yeah exactly and i think because because you mentioned that the word you used exactly the same word i did of zoomed in right yeah <laughs> and i think it's such a weird choice but it's also a, probably a good choice in my opinion because 
I think if you try to emulate the style of the NES game, which was pretty zoomed out, you could see most of the, the, you know, a lot of the screen, you could see lots of things and everything. But because everything was so small, it was it was hard to give it detail. Yeah. And they knew that the Game Boy screen is like tiny. I don't even want to guess at the resolution of how it's, this it's game like looks forty in. by something. I it think. must <laughs> be so small. But I mean, Samus probably takes up like a fifth of the screen. Yeah, right? definitely, definitely. But as a result of it you get to see so much detail yeah, and everything like you see benefits. the the lines and the the joints in our armor mm. you know and and like it's it's just little things like when you enable the missiles you can see the gun open up yes. to allow missiles to exit the the yeah, her, yeah. her arm cannon type thing you know so even with all these technical limitations they use very kind of clever little tricks to make things look how they needed them and wanted them to look mm. yeah agreed i think one area where it suffers and they didn't manage to work around the limitations is the sound uh, mm. and the music. I, I, f- I felt like aside from like a couple of tracks, the music and the like, I think like four tracks. <laughs> yeah. There's obviously, yeah. So, so of the four, like one or two maybe are mm. okay, but there's also a lot of just like where it feels like they've attempted to do like ambience. Yeah on a like chiptune ambience yeah is kind of weird like like you can't do like droplets and like weird noises no. with chiptunes uh and you know there is good game boy music right like super mario land is good Link's awakening is good like you can oh, do on. it and it feels like they didn't quite manage it with metro no. 2 <laughs> and, and that makes me think right because we all of this has to be considered with the technical limitations of the Game Boy in mind, yeah. right? It's like, if you look at those games, like the one I drew the comparison to is, is the original Pokemon Red and Blue. Because mm. bear in mind, same console, right? Yeah. It was still Game Boy. Like, although you could play it on Game Boy Color, it was still Game Boy games. Yeah, yeah. Is you got to think, like, those, those games had a lot of tracks on them, and they all sounded pretty good. And... You're thinking, well, maybe the memory capacity was used elsewhere mm. in Metroid. On like, the sprites, maybe. Yeah, because the sprites are pretty detailed. Like, the Metroids look cr- absolutely amazing. They look yeah. crazy good. I mean, obviously, considering that they're Game Boy game they're, they're, enemies. Yeah, they're quite large as well. Like, like if you imagine the tiles, right? The the, the tile, like all, most Game Boy games, are, especially if they're sprites of any kind, they're tile-based, right? So mm. you've got, so somewhere in the game's memory, you'll have a big map of all of the tiles. Yeah. And I feel like, thinking about what Metroid 2 looks like, I feel like there's a lot of tiles and there's a lot mm. of multi-tiled enemies like the Metroids, like Samus, like the Queen Metroid. Like, there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of different tiles to deal mm. with, especially when you think about all the animation as well, when you compare. But then there also is in Pokemon, but then Pokemon sprites are very, like the way that that works is very unusual. Um, so this was probably more standard. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I I think Pokemon came out in, what, 95, I think? Yeah, because it was they did a lot but, of weird compression you know, with Pokemon. Yeah, there, it was a lot later, so they'd learned a lot of how to do things better with what they had. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so even though the music wasn't amazing it wasn't bad though at least it was music it wasn't just plinky plonk sounds you well know, some it, of the was, time <laughs> <laughs> it was they attempted to make a musical composition for the game at least yeah. you know uh it, it failed in some instances obviously but like you can see where maybe they decided to put the resources of the machine itself instead yeah you know? definitely like really, it, it, the sound effects aren't too bad. Like you know, you, the explosions and the, the missile sounds and everything that they 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 do their job of conveying what would happen with those those instances. Like if you hear it, you know what's happened. You know? Yeah, it definitely serves its purpose 
reasonably well enough. That's Although the sure. only thing I must say is that I really wish they'd have created a better low health alert because oh that God. thing was piercing. Yeah, and it gets ever so slightly high-pitched as well, the lower health it, you get. Exactly, yeah. Now, fair enough, it goes away quite quickly because once you get like your first energy tank, it, you, you don't hear it that often anymore because you very mm. rarely get that low anymore. But in the first sort of like 10, 15 minutes of the game when like a couple of hits and you're already starting yeah. to hear it, you're like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Yeah, and like I definitely found... So I, I, I think you did as well. I used a map to help me get through this because other yeah. just limited time of, of playing something like this for the for the podcast and obviously that does affect the like kind of um what would be the word like your your impression if you like of the game's complexity mm. difficulty if you know where everything is all the time it changes changes the feel of it i started the game without a map yeah. Uh, and I think I did most of the first area, but didn't realize that I had done all of the first area and mm. that I could move to the second area. I got, I immediately got very lost. Um, yeah. Like after I'd done, I'd like killed a few Metroids. I could move. What I now know is that I could move into the next area, but I had no idea. And I was just retreading everywhere, mm. um, trying to find where I was going. As soon as I started to use a map, the game flowed. Uh, and yes, I, and, definitely. You know, it also doesn't help that by not playing a real version of the game, you've not got a manual. Um, so, you know, I've not read a manual to understand some of the bits and pieces about the game. Yeah, you're just like jumping when straight you kill in. a Metroid, you can carry on down this particular path. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like that's that's made a bit clearer when you've when you know more about the game behind the scenes kind of thing. Um, uh, I mean, whilst since we're talking about the map, I'll, I'll touch on it as well, because I understand, again, maybe why they could put a map in. Mm. But I kind of wish they had it done either way. either way. Like, I wish they'd have found a way to make a map work yeah. because it's such a hard game to to navigate because of the way in which the like the levels are laid out and it's pur- purposely supposed to be a little bit of a maze-like structure, yeah. which is fine. But let me just have a map of where I've been at least, yeah. you know. So, but and then the, the but the, the other problem is that the technical limitations of the Game Boy make so many areas look exactly like so many other areas that mm. you lose track of yourself. Even if you draw a mental map, sort of thing, and you're kind of keeping track of where you are relative in your own mind, you get so turned around so quickly because so many rooms look identical to one another. There's because also, yeah, they copy. I mean, they copy rooms straight up, like. Whenever you go into like a, a room with a Chozo statue with a with an upgrade in it, like the the bombable bit in the floor is always there, even if there's nothing below the room. Mm. You know, you can always go there, even if there's yeah. no purpose to it at all, because they've just copied the room. And I get again, it's to save space, it's to save memory consumption, right? But save memory consumption, then make give me a map. Yeah, <laughs> make a map work somehow. And I, I wish I hadn't had to use a map. Like I had to use a map that someone had made on Reddit and it was fine. Like it was, it was more than fine. It was fantastic in fact, but it almost took some of the challenge away of the game because I knew that, oh, I can see that there's a missile upgrade in this room. So I just have to go and look for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I felt actually that the map design was less trollish than Metroid 1 mm-hmm. in the sense that I think that there were, it was because it was a little bit more linear you could more safely just like work your way through the area rather than like bombing every single wall and every single floor square that you can find because that might be how you actually like in metroid one genuinely how you like got to another area sometimes was like just randomly bombing bits of floor yeah 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 whereas in this one randomly bombing things usually only came to uh, power-ups yeah exactly not even essential power-ups you know um so that was good but 
And I also felt like they didn't copy areas quite as much again as Metroid 1, even mm. though, yeah, you're right, there's definitely some repeatable bits like the Chozo statues and stuff. But I felt like there was a little bit less of like three uh, screens that all look exactly the same kind of thing. Like there was a little yeah. bit less of that. But I agree, it was very easy to get lost because also because it zoomed in, sometimes you're traversing like say you're traversing a ceiling with the spider ball mm -hmm. sometimes you're traversing for like a minute right you're just like holding left working your yeah. way across the ceiling and you've <laughs> completely exactly lost mean. the sense of of where yeah, you yeah. are you know and and that that was quite frustrating to mm -hmm. sort of without a map you'd be like that's that's crazy and also there yeah. was some like there was some power-ups that without a map i would have just never there's no way I would have ever found. Yeah, like, there, there were a couple of fairly. There's a couple of ceilings ones. that are yes. like you would yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> you would not. You wouldn't find think that. to go up there unless you. And the thing is, not even going up there is the thing because I mean, if, once you get the spider ball, and I do want to talk about the spider ball, once you get that one, you know, you might start exploring a little bit, mm. but you you have to bomb it like four times. Yeah, and the thing is as well is that. You learn quite early on that if you bomb something while you're close to it with the spider ball, it deactivates the spider ball. So it sort of trains you to not use your bombs whilst yeah. in spider ball form too often. So, yeah, you're not going to find some of these power-ups unless you you know. And I kind of want to... I'll, I'll come back to the spider ball, but I want to talk about this particularly as well. Is that This makes me think, right, is the game designed badly? Or is the game been designed on purpose because they wanted to do things like sell strategy guides? Yeah, because I also the other thing that I wondered is, I couldn't quite tell, but is it possible to collect more upgrades than you can actually have? Like there's, yeah, definitely, there's more energy I, tanks than you can actually I had, I had full energy tanks and then I got another one. And yeah, I don't me too. Okay, yeah. The, the, um, the one thing that I think maybe has happened there is that the game design is probably closer to a normal style action Game Boy game mm. um, because you can get the same weapon power-ups a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Like they have the opportunity to get things like the wave beam and the ice beam and stuff multiple times, even though you've already may have already gotten it, mm -hmm. you know. And that makes me feel like they will. Oh well, you missed this power-up. Go and get the go and get it again, sort of yeah, thing, you know. Yeah. So maybe that's a similar thing with the energy tanks where they were like, well, you're not going to find them all, so we're, we're going to put a few extra ones exactly. that way you do find exactly. enough. But obviously, if you if you do find them all, they don't get any bonus for it. So I just I don't mind it being a little bit like cryptic and a little bit hard to find everything. And I know the whole bombable wall thing is is such a Metroid staple at this point. <laughs> I kind of don't like it, but give me some indication that I should be looking to do that in a yeah. room like. So one thing that we haven't mentioned so far is that we did we, we played through as well AM2R, yes. another Metroid 2 remake, which is a fan remake of this game. And it's a closer sort of approximation of this game than what the actual like Nintendo remake of the game was, which is sort of like more of a reimagining of the yeah, game. Yeah, Metroid Returns on the 3DS. Yes. Right? It, it, it follows the same sort of a vibe, but it's a very different game, whereas yeah. AM2R is a much closer approximation to what the Game Boy game was doing. Mm. But in that game, you could see which blocks you could bomb, mm. you know, they, there was differences to them. And when you bomb them once, it then changed their colour so that then you could see that that's where you bombed. So, I don't know, there's like things like that, little, just little things that make it so that it's not this obtuse puzzle where you have to either have a strategy guide or just bomb everything randomly. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I really, really enjoyed the gameplay and the, the, the exploration within Metroid 2. But... Without a guide or a map, you are not finding some of these things. And that doesn't feel like good design. I feel like it was probably, you know, partly to um, extend the game 
in mm. terms of uh, sort of length as well. Like you can complete it. I can't actually remember what my timer was at the end. I think it was like four hours 20 or something. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was about four hours and something. So without a map, you know, this would have taken me triple that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Because you um, backtrack constantly without even realizing it. And that's probably a good thing in the sense of like, this was like a full price Game Boy game that you would mm. put, buy to play and you would expect to get lots of time out of it. That just isn't a style that ages well, right? And we're no, still, in terms of, you know, as we work through the Metroid games, we're definitely still in the generation of games that are finding ways to lengthen the time that you're playing the game mm-hmm. by being what now would be considered bad, in inverted yeah. commas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the time was just the way that you made a game longer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I guess we have to kind of keep those things in mind when playing these games. And mm. you can see that those issues are addressed in things like AM2R specifically. Yeah. You know, like they've gone, yes, this is not very good game design anymore. Let's do something different exactly. with that. And it makes it much more enjoyable. And there's not a huge incentive to replay the game as well. No, um, not really. You know, you can if you complete it under certain times, you get like a slightly different credits role you know whether mm-hmm. it's like samus running at you or not or the classic like samus taking off a suit um yeah. ending um which is a little bit like dated in terms of alternate endings yeah. um but like that's that's the only incentive you have apart from to just like whiz through the game because you definitely mm-hmm. could if you played it a second time you would fly through it because you know where everything yeah, is yeah i mean i mean i found that when i started playing through am2r it was yeah, like exactly. i was able to move through it much faster because even though it's slightly different in places and there are new areas and stuff like that the core of the game is very similar so you know once you know the layout once then you can really really get to it you know yeah yeah exactly one part of the gameplay that we haven't had a chance to really touch on, and I think is quite a crucial one, is this game would be so much better if there were like two more buttons on the Game Boy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about that as well, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, I'm playing it on, on my PC, so I'm using an Xbox controller um, to play it. And I'm like, I've got all these buttons that I wish I could use. Yeah. Like, like swapping between the missiles isn't too bad, but then like swapping to, say, Spider-Ball is so awkward you have to like press down to go into crouch and then turn it into into morph ball and then down again to activate spider ball but then you have to like come out of spider ball to be able to like use the jumps on the in the ball when you get the spring ball and it's like oh it's so awkward sometimes yeah. like and also some all- of the jumping is quite bad as well or bad like it's the jumping is difficult Mm. at times once you get the like the screw Space attack jump. or the or the, yeah. the infinite the, the like infinite jump i find it so weird that there's an infinite jump in this game yeah it um, kind of removes all challenge of platforming which yeah. is yeah really really weird but, i mean trying to use the space jump is just impossible right yeah. like it's so finicky to make it work um because you have to do it whilst you're doing like a like a, a spin in the air rather yeah. than just a regular jump and if you mess up once, you start falling and you can't recover. So, you know, and there's a lot of verticality to this game. Like there's yes, a lot there of, is. A lot of areas that are quite tall and mm. you can fall a long way and it yeah. can take you minutes. So oftentimes it, you find it easy to just use the spider ball to get up to places rather yeah. than jumping to places. Which is also quite frustrating because the spider ball is very slow. It's uh. very, very slow. You can get knocked off very easily from almost anything and you can't reattach yourself. And... I'm sure you found this, is that it can't decide what button it wants you to press to go in the direction that you need to go. It's basically like, I worked it out. It's like, when you stop as the spider ball, 
your controls are essentially reset based on where the yes, spider ball yeah, yeah, is yeah. at that point. But before that, it carries on being the previous buttons until that point. But also where there's like little tiny corners Ledges, and yeah. nooks, you don't know which bit the game thinks you're like, attached to. What pixel orientation is this yeah. one tiny pixel that I'm sat on? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, yeah, it, it was. It's such a cool idea because I don't think the Spider Ball came back in any of the 2D games, right? I think they used it in Prime as sort yes. of like a nifty little like get into the these weird sort of puzzle areas. You have it on like they were like only on tracks, though, right? The Spider Ball. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they were in specific locations that the game controlled. Whereas this game, it lets you go anywhere with it. And it does feel pretty overpowered at times. Yeah. Um, There's like spikes but, on the walls somewhere in some yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. Which try and get up. You have to sort of do like, you know, cool little like hits and jumps and, and use the bombs and stuff to get around and everything. Um, AM2R yet again and uh, kind of addresses this and it makes the spider ball easier to use in midair. Like you can sort of jump yeah. and then enable the spider ball in midair to grab onto the the surfaces but much easier i don't know you i think you can do it if you use the spring ball i think in right. the in the original yeah but you can you can you could it's you kind of awkward like into spider ball yeah it's just kind of really awkward in the original but whereas mm. in am2r they made it much simpler and everything flowed much better in terms of the controls as well mm. yeah so i think overall i preferred this to metroid one yes definitely i, I found it less frustrating i found it easier and i think it's surprisingly good for game boy but I yeah. think AM2R shows that it suffers for being on the Game Boy and it would yeah. like as a it's got a little bit more stretching to do as a game that it would benefit from not being on the Game Boy to do. But yeah, I I I enjoyed it a lot. I think one thing that the game really does super well is posing challenging enemies mm. because the Metroids are a great enemy and they continually get harder. Mm. And they don't just fly at you either. Like, they they sort of employ almost strategy a little bit. Like, a little bit. Like, the way that they kind of come at you from, like, a different angle to make it slightly harder. And they mm. don't just keep coming at the same angle, so you can't just spam your rockets at them, missiles at them. And I think that's really clever. Mm. Um, and the game, in the first game, I think the only enemies that are really memorable are the two mini-bosses, right? Of Craig mm. and Ridley. And yeah. even then, they're kind of, they're a little whatever, honestly. A little bit un, unimpressive. Yeah. But, like, the enemies in, in Metroid 2, despite everything, look, they're quite impressive. Like, the, mm. the Metroids look cool and scary, and they're also, you know, kind of hard if you don't know what you're doing. And then, like, the final boss with the Queen Metroid is a really good boss fight. That's like a it, really good boss fight, It's yeah. so... The the, the the boss fight with the Queen Metroid is such a precursor to like the rest of the boss fights in all the other 2D Metroid mm. games. So like the idea that she takes up like at least half of the screen on right. one side. Yeah. You know, like like the Kraid battle in Super Metroid, yeah. you know. And and how in the even in the beginning of Super Metroid you start out and you're fighting against Ridley in that small room, you know. Like uh it it's such a, a step forward for the way in which you're gonna fight these bosses mm. in these mm. rooms and and again it's a Game Boy game, but it felt pretty epic. Like when I dropped mm. down into the, into the Queen's Lair, it felt genuinely quite like epic. Like I was at full health. I had all E-tanks, uh, you know, I had all the missiles I could want in the world. But yet she still posed a threat to me at this point. Yeah, like at this definitely. point I was like, oh, I'm going to, this will be a breeze. And it wasn't a it breeze. Wasn't, like I, no, definitely You know, not. you use almost all of your missiles. And I think I lost like at least three or four of my energy tanks definitely, in the fight. Yeah. Like. It was good, you know. Did you do it, the like jumping into her mouth as the more? I tried, but I couldn't quite get into it. So in the end, I just killed her normally. It took um, me. I know I mean, you can do the, the thing, boss. But. Took me a lot of goes to get, um, and you know, benefiting a little bit from save states meant that I could like abort yes. if I failed early. Yeah. Um, 
And I did manage to get, you can get into a rhythm and it's actually quite nice that it's rewarding in that sense in that if you, you know, the rhythm that you need to get into, then yeah. um, it's, it, you know, you sort of, you can feel it. I don't know how that would translate if you were actually playing it for real on the Game Boy. I guess you would just dial up and have to, yeah. and it, there'd be a, a little bit more backtracking because the save point is a bit further back. Yeah, it's a little bit further back. And I think also you have to go through the Metroids again, unless you go back and save, I suppose, after you've killed the, yeah, the, you would, the Metroids. Yeah, I would go back and save. But yeah, that would be, so I would probably be quite pissed off about that um, if yeah. I wasn't playing it on an Yeah, save states do make life a lot simpler uh, on these older games. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I agree. That was a little like extra tangent that I wanted to throw in there because mm. I was genuinely quite impressed with how they handled the Metroids. Like, I, I often find that Metroids are seen as these sort of like joke enemies sometimes, mm. like because they they kind of look goofy, right? The, the 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 typical Metroid looks a bit goofy, mm. but yet like the like the Gamma Metroids and the Zeta Metroids in this like look pretty badass. Like, it looks quite scary. Something that was kind of weird was like the final little Metroids that that latch onto you are almost more dangerous than all the others. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so weird how like they're sort of the the end game Metroids, despite the fact like the one Omega Metroid you fight or like the three Omega Metroid you fight or whatever else, like really, really nasty. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's, I think they did a really great job of making these enemies like genuinely mm. quite scary and tough and rewarding to fight. Yeah. Um, agreed. I kind of wish they'd maybe made it so that like each one gave you a little mini reward as well. Cause sometimes it did feel a little bit like, okay, I got to fight another Metroid now. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like I feel like they did a fairly good job of, of pacing them decently enough well mm. and like the, the the difficulty curve of them wasn't too bad like you often found like once you got comfortable killing alphas like then it threw some gammas at you and it was like yeah, oh actually yeah. these are these are a bit tougher now yeah um, so well, i tell you another thing I, I liked as well about the metroids is how they use the rooms layout as like mm. a difficulty yes. increaser like i remember one particular one it was only a gamma and i but i really struggled to kill it, it was like this room full of sand yes to yeah, try yeah, to yeah. kill this was like super awkward because i just couldn't jump because it could go through the sand and i couldn't and yeah yeah like just clever just clever use of what they had access to yeah definitely but yeah uh hopefully you've enjoyed this little like run through of metroid 2 and what we thought of it the next one is are we going to do super metroid next if we decide yeah i think super metroid is probably yeah. the most logical one to go for yeah um so yeah we're going to work through super metroid next um at some point in the future which is kind of a different because i think for game club we neither of us have played either the first or second metroid games no. but i think we've both played super metroid i've played a little bit of it but not yeah. a lot so it's going to yeah. be mostly a first playthrough for me right okay so it, it kind of breaks the game club a little bit yeah but we're going to make an exception because we want to play through all the metroid games yeah on the yeah show. exactly definitely so, um metroid club rather than game metroid club, club. exactly <laughs> And maybe by the time we finish, Prime 4 will be out. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, oh, imagine if the timing is just perfect. That would be cool. The thing is, nice. the Prime games are going to slow us down because they're big, right? They are yeah, not they're, they're much longer games. games. Yeah, they're like 40-hour games. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Uh, I certainly enjoyed playing Metroid 2. Yeah, it was good yeah fun. absolutely. It was a lot of fun to, to visit something that I think a lot of people would probably brush over as like, mm. a, oh, it's not worth your time within the series sort of thing. Just jump straight to Super Metroid. But I think it is worth your time. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think both the original and AM2R complement one another and you should play both of them. Yeah, I think I, I think I would recommend playing Metroid 2 over the NES one, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, uh, if you have any thoughts that you want to let us know about, about Metroid 2 or, or the first one or Metroid in general, then definitely let us know. Uh, you can send us an email, show at octal.fm, or you can send us a tweet at octal.fm or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash octal.fm. 
if you've liked this episode, don't forget to click whatever you can click. Like, mm. star, subscribe, comment. All, all those different things. All it, of those it things. helps with the, the old algorithms. Absolutely. Uh, that would be really great. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, I've been Gelada. And I've been Saffron. And catch us again for another episode of Gelada and Saffron Hunt Metroids <laughs> very soon. <laughs>